0: Good morning and welcome to Alcoholics Anonymous, AA meeting on air. My name is Steve and I'm an alcoholic. Uh, we'll start our meeting with the serenity prayer.
1: God, God, God grant, grant me the, the serenity, serenity to, to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change, change the things, things I can, and, and the, the wisdom to know the difference.
0: difference. Uh, the preamble of Alcoholics Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve the common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. And there are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any set, denomination, politics, organisation or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy and neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. Uh, Welcome to our meeting this morning. We have members from our fellowship and they'll be sharing their experience, strength and hope about the journey of recovery from alcoholism. And to start the sharing off this morning, Dan, do you want to start?
2: Hello, I'm Dan and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Dan. 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 Um, Thanks for having me. Uh, It's great to be here amongst uh, my... um, Peeps, I guess. <laughs> like uh, we're all of a uh, like uh, mind, and and uh, we've all been through the same kind of experience, and it's it's wonderful to gather together and share our experience, strength, and hope. Um, firstly, my experience. Um, I love drinking. Um, it felt like a solution to my life uh, as soon as I started drinking very early on. It um, it had a very powerful effect on me, and um, I started drinking alcoholically almost straight off the bat so even when I was a kid uh, I wanted to make it um, if I was ever drunk it would become an extreme episode and um, I remember having uh, a week off school once because I had the flu as far as my parents um, understood it (laughs) but actually I'd uh, pushed myself to the um, absolute extreme of uh, alcoholic poisoning and um I had a bit of a system shutdown, <laughs> but it wasn't cool. But um, so from there, uh, moving through uh, early adulthood, and I went to university, and um, luckily I managed to get through that. But, um, you know, there there's a, a, quite a full-on drinking culture that I felt very at home in, and um, it, you it know, was, of course, my most favourite thing um, was to be drunk and all wasted, um, and uh, w- then I started moving into a career, and um, I suppose that's when I could actually begin to afford to drink in the way that I actually wanted to. So um, I would go through patterns of trying, of uh, drinking a lot, and then taking some time off because I knew then that, you know, I didn't have good drinking habits. Um, and by the time. Um, my children had come around it had started to become a major problem Um, I worked all the time I drank all the time and uh, slowly but surely I kind of destroyed myself physically and mentally and I hurt uh, everyone close to me Um, the the funny thing is when you're an alcoholic and you're drinking uh, like mad you, uh, you, you think you're only hurting yourself but Actually, the people who love you are, um, are really getting caned. Uh, they are witnessing some um, something very sad to them, and um, also you're not there for them either. And you, as we know, like as alcoholics, at the centre of our uh, malaise is um, a kind of selfishness where um, we seem we make alcohol more important than any other thing, and. Um, even though I thought I was a kind person I, th- I thought I was um, generous and that sort of thing actually I, w- I was just so self-centred all I could think about was my uh, my own needs and um, by the time I ended up going to rehab um, yeah I was kind of a monstrous person I guess uh, and then I came out and that's when the real tough stuff started uh, like back then I thought um, drinking Stopping drinking was actually the solution. So if I stopped drinking, everything would come right. But um, you're still an alcoholic, whether um, you're drinking or not. And uh, stopping, um, I thought, and and I I really didn't appreciate the program of AA. I I thought it was old-fashioned and... um, I didn't like being told what to do and I thought if anything was going to work it would be when I figured it out myself and I invented my own brilliant program that uh, wasn't, <laughs> I guess, uh, handed to me by by others, you know. And uh, not drinking and being in that state is just a recipe for complete insanity. <laughs> and uh, I did really go quite nuts. Um... Mm and then I started doing um, I was kind of forced by that misery to do a little bit more of the program and um, in the end when it came down to it the more I did it the better I felt and now I know that there's very much a one to one relationship between how well I'm feeling um, how well I do for other people and uh, how steady and consistent my life is and um, how much simpler it is and, and better and more enjoyable it is when I do the program and if I go to a meeting if I engage with my sponsor if I do service all of those things um, aggregate into a much, much better life in fact a um, stupendously better life than when I was drinking and of course a much, much better life than when I wasn't drinking and not doing the program I can tell you um so everyone out there i'd i just recommend um uh well instead of me recommending it it's all about me of course um i'm just going <laughs> just say that like about my own experience and that is that um i uh have had when i d when I engage and let go and um When I, uh, have a conversation with my higher power and when I feel, um, the presence of that connectedness, um, and through the principles of the, um, the book of AA, I, uh, live a much, much better life and I, I, I think that you'll probably feel the same too and, um, yeah, so for the first year or so, uh, I didn't really do what I was told and I went quite mental. Then when I um, became miserable enough, um, I started doing what I was told. And so there's this um, phenomena of the gift of desperation it's referred to in the rooms. And... Um, this is just having the depth of desperation that drives you forward in order to actually throw away your normal behaviours and reservations and actually just do what you're um, asked to do. And that, incre- if you're feeling extremely terrible uh, and really, really only just hanging on by a thread, you, you might be just in the best possible place to do it because that is the... That is the impetus, that's the fuel, that's the thing that will drive you to do. All these things that seem to make no sense to you, going to meetings. I, I, I don't think there's a single meeting I've ever been to where I wanted to go beforehand. <laughs> but on the other side of things, there's never been a meeting where I haven't come out feeling better than I went in. So if there's not a better example of the alcoholic mind than that, I don't know what is. It's like I, I really don't want to do what's best for me. Um, but when I do, I feel better, and I'm surprised by that every time. Um, so if you're feeling, if you have that gift of desperation, um, and you're in a world of misery, um, see it see for the gift that it is. It's hard. It's hard to see it, and that's why you've got to you've got to just uh, let it go and realize that um, you. Are doesn't have to come from you the strength to do this it, it it's requires a power greater than yourself to do it and uh, surrender to it thank you so much
0: awesome. all right thanks dan uh you're with alcoholics anonymous on 104.6 planet fm uh, we have members of our fellowship and and they're sharing their experience strength and hope about their journey of recovery from alcoholism uh, the next person to share is andy do you want to share
1: Hey, I'm Andy, alcoholic.
0: Hey, Andy. Andy. Um,
1: Yeah, happy to be here today and grateful to be um, sharing for all those listeners out there. Um, My journey with alcohol started at a very young age, um, 11 the first time um, I saw my older brother, who was very cool, uh, better looking, taller, got all the girls, and um, I saw his friend give him the alcohol bottle. and so I wanted to follow him. So that's what I did. can't quite remember. It was whiskey of some kind. Um, I don't remember having an instant reaction to the alcohol, but I definitely had an instant reaction to being cool and liked. And um, so said set on the journey of um, being an alcoholic. Um, through the years, um, like all alcoholics, we have that feeling that we're different. Or that we think we're special Or that the rules don't quite apply to us We understand what's going on in the world But we feel like we have a different version Um, And so I crashed my way through Intermediate, high school um, Got into a lot of fights uh, With students And teachers um, And I started on a path of destruction Very early Um, You know, crime um, I got kicked out of School suspended. I got sent away on boys' camps, um, and I felt like the world was against me. So, having the alcohol there made everything okay again. Um, <sighs> around around sixteen, I, fig- I I felt like I was an adult, and and I I dropped out of high school and I went and pursued a career, um, at business school, and I and I found a passion for music. So. Through music, I kind of put the alcohol down and I got focused and I started um, uh, in an industry that I thought would be the answer. Um, Come to find out, in the music industry, (laughs) everyone's drinking alcohol and doing drugs. Um, So my position was validated and the alcoholic in me, and it says in the the big book, if uh, you haven't read the big book, there's the alcoholic personality that becomes the big shot. Well, that was me for sure. Um, I thought I could do no wrong. Um, Some of the music started to do well and was successful and that only validated that I was smarter, stronger, faster than everybody else. And I continued to step on the toes of our fellows um, and, and just, you know, be a real tornado through life. But along that journey, things started happening, Uh, arrests, blackout moments, where am I, which country am I in, Um, waking up not knowing where I am, oh, that's right, we're in Sydney. You know, yesterday we were in Brisbane, I I don't remember. Um, And it just progressively got worse. This, I can guarantee you, is the journey of every alcoholic. It never gets better. It gets worse The blackouts get longer The arrests get longer The jail time gets longer The broken relationships There's more of them Um, I think the best way to say it is that It progressively got worse to a point where it was out of control And uh, as Dan just shared about the, the point of desperation I got arrested and locked up in Los Angeles County Jail in America And if you've seen any of the stuff on TV, there's the Twin Towers in Los Angeles, and there's something like 12,000 men in there. And (laughs) I got put in the Mexican cells with all of the essays uh, and had to to spend a couple nights there. And um, it wasn't my most desperate moment. When I got out of jail, I actually had a flight to New Zealand the next day, and I was just so happy, like, ha, I beat the system. I didn't miss my flight. I was very proud of myself. That is the insanity of being an alcoholic. I didn't think about the effect on my children. I didn't think about my poor wife that is sitting at home in LA wondering where her husband is um, because I was selfish and self-centered and uh, another strong trait of being an alcoholic. Eventually I came home and my wife told me she was going to leave me. That's the moment that I realized that alcohol had become a problem in my life and I came into the program of um, Alcoholics Anonymous. And what I learned from this program is honesty, real, deep, dark honesty about who you are as a person and um, the personal inventory that you have to take as part of or not have to, it's suggested Um, and it's a very good suggestion that you should do if you come into this fellowship um, to get real with yourself and to get honest and to follow the program. Through this program I've learned who I truly am who I was at 11 and I can tell you that I was just a scared little boy I was scared of the world I was scared because I wasn't as, wasn't as good looking as my brother I wasn't as strong as my dad I wasn't as smart as my mum and so uh, I fought with the world through AA and through this fellowship I've learned to be myself and I've learned how to be uh, appropriate with my language and I've learned how to be on time to be able to be a part of a fellowship and be responsible and be counted. And I've learned to humble myself by washing dishes in East tamaki on a Sunday, <laughs> which is called service. And I can't thank AA enough in the fellowship and the original founding members of this program because um, we're just one big club. It says in the, the big book... Um, And I'm probably going to get it wrong But something along the lines of We're all in this boat together Just at the moment that it sinks And then, you know, like the Titanic Everyone gets saved That's us We're the guys that got saved And we're all in this ship together Doesn't matter where you come from in life What colour your skin is um, This programme can help you live a life Beyond your wildest dreams And that's the absolute truth Um, So today I'm grateful I'm grateful to be here with uh, my fellowship and with my team um, and uh, stick around. This program is amazing. Get the big book, do the steps, get honest, and you'll have a wonderful life where you can provide too. Uh, That's about it from me. Thank Thank you, everybody.
0: Yeah. Thanks Andy Thanks, Andy. Um, Andy mentioned about the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and in that book there is a chapter called Chapter 5, How It Works and it uh, outlines the, the program of Alcoholics Anonymous and I'll go through it now uh, Chapter 5, How It Works Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program Usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. There are such unfortunates, they are not at fault, and they seem to have been born that way. They are naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. Their chances are less than average. There are those too who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. Our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what happened and what we are like now. If you have decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you're ready to take certain steps. At some of these we balked. We thought we could find an easier, softer way, but we could not. With all the earnestness at our command, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. And some of us tried to hold on to our old ideas and the result was nil until we let go absolutely. Remember that we deal with alcohol. It's cunning, baffling, and powerful. Without help it is too much for us. But there is one who has all power. That one is God, and may you find him now. Half measures availed us nothing, and we stood at the turning point, and we asked his protection and care with complete abandon. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a programme of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol and that our lives had become unmanageable. Humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight. Made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. And nine. Made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do, to do so would injure them or others. And ten. Continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Many of us exclaimed, what an order, I can't go through with it, and do not be discouraged. No one among us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles. We are not saints. The point is that we are willing to grow along spiritual lines, and the principles we have set down are guides to progress. We claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection, and our description of the alcoholic in the chapter to the agnostic and our personal adventures before and after make clear three pertinent ideas. A. That we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. B. That probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism and see that God could and would if he was sought. Uh, that's the reading from uh, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, the text of Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, chapter 5, how it works. Well, we uh, you're listening to Alcoholics Anonymous on 104.6 Planet FM, and we have members of our fellowship in sharing their experience, strength, and hope about their journey of recovery from alcoholism. And the last person to share this morning is Kendall. Do you want to share?
3: Awesome, absolutely. My name's Kendall. I'm an alcoholic and um, yeah, really grateful to be here. Um, I'd learned when I first came in that yeah, gratitude can um, help me take a deep breath and set me up for the day as long as I've got gratitude in some form and um, there've been lots of things that I've been able to pick up in the rooms that I needed to relearn from my past. I was... You know, selfish and self-centered, and um, I needed to do the opposite after coming in and, and finding a program because I was lost. Um, I needed to hear the suggested steps, and um, for anyone new coming into the rooms or listening to these tapes, um, yeah, it's about you know going to meetings so I can see hope in others that if others can do this, then maybe I could too. And I'd, I'd heard when I first came in to not leave before the miracle happens. And I initially believe and I personally believe that, that the first miracle is hope, seeing that others can do it and um, for me to listen for the similarities, not the differences. So when I'm able to hear the similarities, that's what I've been able to get today, I've been able to listen to Dan and Andy and be able to you know settle into the day so that I can put my head on before I go walk about, be able to recognize that you know what's doing well for me today is um, better than you know my thinking in the past um, I was trying to you know wheel and deal and do this and there and it was always my thoughts it was taking me off on a tangent and taking me down to the next rock bottom and it was all of that experimentation that I needed to do in the past um, I was around people you know similar like-minded people and we were all just sort of competing a Against each other to you know trying to be the biggest and baddest or doing the worst and it was all about reputation um, but it, uh, there, there came a time where I needed to learn that I needed to grow up on the inside instead of just get old on the outside. It was that rock bottom that I got to that enabled me to see that you know I didn't have the strength to go on. And I'd had a few rock bottoms. I'd recognized after coming into the program that I've lost everything on every level. And it wasn't until I was able to slow down a life to be able to see for things for what they're worth. And that had been really important that I was able to come into the rooms, sit down and shut up and be able to recognize that I was all talk, that I was all this big persona, that I was just an egomaniac with an inferiority complex, that I was just... Turning to, you know, turning to the culprit to solve the problem. For so many years, I thought I was turning to different drinks, different flavors, you know, using people, places and things. And I would just sort of change the days that I was drinking or switched from, you know, beer to wine to, to spirits. And I didn't even like wine. And I remember stealing some champagne from the bottom of the pantry. Uh, My my sister had had won it at a prize, and I thought I was genius because I was able to take the, the foil wrapper off the top drink the bottle, and then put the foil wrapper back on the bottle. And um, it didn't even look like anything, like no harm, no foul. I thought I would just save up some money, be able to replace the bottles, and then no one will be the wiser, no one will know. And um, and I'd come home tired after work, and I'd earned that bottle of you know champagne or whatever it was, and so I added some Baraka to it. And um, that just enabled me to stay up a bit longer, drink a bit longer, you know, watch a few movies because I I was working late shift. My first job was as a baker and um, and I wasn't going to come home at like one o'clock in the morning and then try and get to sleep at two or three. It was just like I was just going to come home and relax and go into my own little world. That was my process of just um, dealing with life and then searching for oblivion. And um, it was just a couple of days ago that I recognized, you know, where the story started for me was um, even where it started that I would lie when the truth were to. Um, You know, situations would come up that I would avoid responsibility. And all of those things that I've been able to look back on my past as being able to, you know, try to be responsible today, try to have that gratitude, try to learn new words that I can incorporate into a healthy life. And um, that's why I'm so grateful for having this opportunity to be able to come in and share my story because I've recognized for me that if I'm not sharing, then I'm taking. So I need to work towards other opportunities where I can give back to a society that I've always taken so much from. So a lot of my new life is opposite of my old life. Um, I need to share in some way and be of service. And that's where I believe I'd heard um, what spirituality is spirituality for me is about being of service to others being okay where I'm able to turn up to a situation not by what I can get out of it but what I can give to it and so that had been um, a process that I've needed to go through I needed to learn different words I needed to be able to personalize them to myself I needed to be honest enough when in the early days to say I'm lost and be open to the suggested step of getting a sponsor A sponsor who who said to me that the 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 sole purpose of a sponsor is to guide me through the steps and there may not be um, you know a destination to this journey but also I'm open to the destination being a higher power I need a higher power in my life because my willpower didn't work when I'm trying to give up the drink it can only last for so long before my head will think of a good idea and then also my, my intuition might say, oh, you know, that's not a good idea, like, you know, using different beers or using different things on different days. But lo and behold, that good idea that I'm able to trump out and stomp out and realize, now it's not good. And then the head starts ticking over and be like, you know what, it's not a good idea. It's a great idea. In fact, it's a genius idea. And I'm not going to tell anyone because I don't want them to steal my idea. And I'm all about taking. And so I'm not going to share my life with others. I'm not going to tell them what I'm going to do. I'm just going to go off on about my merry way and reach a oblivion again and it's not until I have that next rock bottom that I realized well I guess that didn't work and so I was able to come into these rooms and be able to recognize that you know my way wasn't working but it wasn't until someone shared that maybe there's another way that I was open to these suggestions to getting a home group getting a service position getting a sponsor and being able to listen and learn from other people being able to recognize that you know, I don't have all the answers, and when I'm green, I'm growing, and if I'm ripe, I'm ready to grow. So I can keep remembering that you know God is there to top me up because I need a power in my life. My willpower didn't work, so I need to keep coming back to building that foundation of what's better for me today by taking healthy, healthy risks and recognize that I get I get courage by giving encouragement to other people. So I need to just keep turning up and letting life happen, and dealing with things on a day-to-day basis, but that's where I get to live, because life today for me is about living, not just coping, and that's what keeps me coming back, and I'll leave it there. Thanks.
0: Uh, Thanks, Kendall. Uh, You've been listening to Alcoholics Anonymous on 104.6 Planet FM. Uh, We've had members of our fellowship sharing their experience, strength and hope about their journey of recovery from alcoholism. Uh, If you've identified with our speakers, uh, there's a couple of things you can do. You can log on to aa.org.nz and in the um, meeting button, there's a list of all meetings in the Greater Auckland area and right throughout the whole country. Or you can phone 0800-AA-WORKS and uh, that'll put you in contact with an AA member in your local area. So we'll be back here again uh, next Sunday at 10.45 on 104.6 Planet FM with Alcoholics Anonymous AA meeting on air. And we'll close our meeting with the serenity prayer. God, God grant me the the serenity to 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 accept the things I cannot change, change, courage to change the things I I can, and
3: and wisdom to 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 know the difference. difference.